Hello and welcome to the Lock-In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on life in the pub trade by those working in it. On the morning advertisers, Ed Beddington, and with me, sadly as ever, are my two co-hosts, Nikki Thatcher and Heath Ball. Now, in this episode, we're going to be talking about Casper, and I thought, who better to talk to our six listeners than two of the leading experts on the art, and dare I say it, craft of creating a great cask offer. A pair who can talk with authority on why Casper is important and a vital part of the fabric of the pub offer. Experts who can bring the concept of Casper to life by painting vivid oral images in the minds of our five listeners to inspire and enthuse in them a love of a product that truly defines the pub experience. Sadly, they weren't available, so I'll have to stick with Nikki and Heath. Also, you said cask, and you said cask, you said five listeners, you said six listeners. That was a test. Consistency, Ed. I mean, the list of it was a test. The the cask cask is, unfortunately, my upbringing. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, uh, that will be a factor throughout this, in which I will say it in a variety of different ways, just to keep you on your toes. Mm. Anyway, I would say thanks for joining me, but um, it's a pleasure as ever. Um, I know. Be lying. Uh, so yes, you may have guessed from that intro that we're focusing on cask beer in this episode of the Lock-In. Cask beer is a unique feature of the Great British Pub, but we do but do we properly acknowledge that and reflect that in the offerings on the bar? Is it too old school? Is it too cheap? Do we no longer care about cask beer? We'll be tackling a lot of those issues in this episode, and we've got some great guests joining us to discuss. As some of the founding supporters of the MA's Cast Project, we'll be discussing the importance of cast beer with Sharp Brewery's top beer sommelier, Ed Hughes, St. Austell's Brewing Director, Georgina Young, and Green King's Head of Brewery Engagement, John Malone. We'll also be discussing cellar management with Matt Todd of the Wanton Arms in Winchester and Sue Stafford, St. Austell's Trade Quality Manager. We'll be getting into how to improve your cask range with Seba's new CEO, Andy Slee, and we'll be discussing the future of cask beer with cameras Tom Stainer. An award-winning operator, Chris Gumbrell of Brewhouse and Kitchen, will also be talking about the future of cask beer as well. But before all that, let's catch up on the latest news. Um... Heath, I mean, you've uh, you've had a busy week, busy few days. Um, been away anywhere? Anywhere good? <laughs> oh, Edward, yes, well, I, I mean, went to New York. Another holiday. I went to New, I went to New York for the weekend. Uh huh. Just yeah, casually put that in there. I just went to New well, York for the weekend. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm very lucky. I've got a very a very generous friend who took me to New York. Understanding wife. What's that? Understanding wife. I was going to get in there. I'll just dig you that took, one. Who, who took me to New York as an early birthday present. Uh, so it was nice. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, the thing was, in the run-up to this holiday, I've never known anyone gloat quite so much about it. It was another uh, level. And, and the constant, constant messaging, the photographs of uh, first-class tickets and all, all the, the gloating up to it. So uh, what I particularly enjoyed, Heath, <laughs> was that, that amazingly calmer, driven moment in which they cancelled your flight. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't much fun. They, but the only upside, since we're flying first class, we just went back into the first class lounge, the Concord lounge, and drunk our body weight and champagne and uh, white burgundy, and then got on the second aircraft, hammered, and then flew all the way to New York, more hammered, and then got into New York, really hammered, and then went out. I mean, it, it's it, it's a story in tedium and uh, delight, but I'm sure you enjoyed it. We've so, got, well, uh, we've got the photographic evidence of 
all of this journey because we've got pictures of food, we've got menus, we've got a picture of Heath yeah. pretending to be asleep while yeah. but laughing with a blanket over him. We've got it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a thrill ride. None, none of the pictures of the uh, celebrities he was hobnobbing with. No, uh, disappointing. Yeah. I don't take photos of people. I'm it, with. It's, or, or it's all in your head, Heath, yeah, which is uh, yeah, it's your sure, whatever. Entirely whatever. possible. Uh, moving on to the more interesting stuff. Um, not that you're not interesting. Well, actually, that is true. You're not interesting. Um, we've seen this week. Um, I mean, it's been it's been really grim. Some of the news: uh, 150 pubs have been lost this year. Um, it, it, it's starting to see more and more businesses starting to struggle. Um, it's getting a bit bit dicey out there, isn't it? Oh, it's horrible out there. I, like, I honestly, every even the good operators, everyone's feeling it. And what's killing everybody is they're not doing anything about it. What, 50 pubs this year? 150 pubs this year? Like, how many more do we need to lose? You know, really, how many more? Well, the government don't care. They don't care. Well, so many businesses are failing. I'm going to get him a T-shirt with that printed yeah. on. Government doesn't Wait, care. So. Mate, they don't. They don't. <laughs> they do not care. <laughs> it, like, I mean, it, it, it does seem that way. I mean, we are very much uh, on our own and, and left our own devices. There's no real support. There's there's uh, a view, I think, we're back to, you know, market forces dictate the situation and we, we businesses sink or swim. But the reality... But even, is, even though the market forces are dictated by the government that are mm. mishandling this whole country the way they're running it it doesn't it's just a mess mm. and they're getting away with it it's a fire sale for the Tories just getting as much as they can before they're kicked out next year they mm. don't care um, um, we, on, on perhaps a more positive uh, positive uh, thing we had the public awards we had some great operators uh, there some some fantastic we'll be hearing from from one of them later um, on, on Caspier but um, it, it's not all there are companies out there that are doing well aren't they this is the thing um, it, it, the challenge is just making money I mean Easter we've had the Easter weekend um, uh, sales were up Generally, across the board, from from the reports. Yeah, but, but a sales. But, but hold on, a sales up because mm. we're meant to put our prices up. Are we we're combating inflation, so sales. We've done. Oh, we've done more than 2019. Yeah, because we're 30 percent more expensive. Yeah. I mean, is that you, you, how? How did you find the the, the Easter trade? I mean, I'm, I think a lot of people. Holiday, we were, you, no. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I was working. <laughs> I think a lot of people went away um, up and you know at all the pubs really pretty quiet. Like Friday, Saturday were, were okay. They weren't heaving, and then. Monday was busy, everybody coming back, but it wasn't like, you know, where we are, the locations, a lot of people just got money and they just go to the holiday houses, so... But then, but then, then are they going to be away for all the bank holidays? Obviously, there's, two, there's the Coronation Bank holiday, and then there's the May Bank holiday, so surely for you, for you in London, Coronation must be, like, it's potentially going to be pretty good? No, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? What is it, 47% of the country care about the Coronation? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, forty-seven percent of the country care about the coronation, but the entire country gets a day off, and uh, we'll probably yeah, so use it to drink. Um, I mean, it depends on how many street parties. I did see something that was hugely frustrating on social media, the responses to, to some of this. So pubs just going, oh, they'll just have street parties and party in their own homes and things like that. And you kind of think, well, what are you going to do to try to track them yeah, to your business? Rather than sitting there and moaning about having uh, uh, people organising their own events, organise a fucking event in your site and get them along to it. What, like broadcasting the coronation? No, but you could do like something special, like a special coronation. You could do coronation chicken on the menu, or you could you do a special drink. You could show coronation street. You, you <laughs> should get a job in marketing. You're a fuck. You're a marketing genius, Nikki. Oh, coronation chicken. At least we I'm could play. We could play coronation street back to back 
for a week <laughs> you, on you, the build-up. You could create, because I mean, the coronation chicken was created to celebrate the coronation of Queen Victoria. Yeah. Why not? Hey, this I is, I was there. <laughs> we could, uh, do, we could uh, do a plant-based, vegan, gluten-free coronation non-chicken uh, uh, well, to keep actually, up with the times I, I've got an idea we'll, we'll circle back to it in a minute but Heath this is your opportunity to create the next coronation dish deathly silence I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's a tumbleweed there's, 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 do you know what I mean like Okay, well, here, here's an idea. Here's an idea. You, I mean, you said tofu or whatever, plant-based. Tofu? Tofu. What is it? You mean tofu? Tofu. Tofu. I call it tofu. <laughs> Mainly because it annoys my vegetarian son. But, um, a bit like cask. cask. Um, yeah. Brewdog. Adding bugs to its menu. Mm. They're going to make a burger out of bugs. Well, they might uh, not. They've asked about it. You know, Ed, you know the first thing, the first two words that came into my mouth when I read that? Fuck off. <laughs> that was it. It was just like, seriously. Oh, mate. They're going to change. They're going to save the planet with their... Oh, it's just a gimmick. It's just more press for them. We just give it more oxygen. It's so a joke. You're, you're not, not going to start putting crickets on the menu, Heath? No. But did, you, did you come to the MA Leaders event where we, we had a session on uh, snacking insects? Mm. Yeah, I think I ate some. They're all yes. like... Do you know what I mean? Like, listen. The customers of Highgate must Oh, be. mate, the middle class of this country think they're going to save the world with a net zero target that's unattainable by eating crickets and driving electric fucking cars. And they're going to save the world, but they're still going to go on holiday to the Caribbean and New York. Mauritius and places like yeah, New York. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not in that club. I'm a working class guy. But they just think they're going to save the planet by First eating class. all this shit and who, buying these bloody who did, who did you make for a drink stuff. in New York? What's that? Who did you meet for a drink in New York? Don't you worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but Working what I'm saying is... House. What I'm saying is, it's just, it's just, it was just delusional. It's bloody delusional. And crickets on a bur- cricket burger, is it a cricket burger or something? Uh, it could well yeah. have been something like But this is the thing, this is your opportunity. You can create the next coronation dish that is going to live for the next hundred and whatever years. Uh, what about Because I'm... Of Ed, insects, because I'm such a strong royalist, being a New Zealander. <laughs> what I'm about like, what, what about what about Heath's coronation barata? He's Australian. Barata. It's Italian. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we can't base the coronation dish on what you like to eat. Why the hell not? <laughs> well, I mean, we could do. Do you like insects? Mm, mm. Not a big fan. No. no. Anyway, in regards to the coronation, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm going for the other 53% who don't care. You're going to be a, a coronation freak. Well, exactly, that's it. Yeah, you could do that. Why not go the other way? Coronation free uh, Yeah, like you did drinking. with the World Cup. Yeah. Remember that? You were like, this is a football free no, there was zone. That idea I gave you, Heath, football free zone that did really yeah. well for you. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. You're writing it down. Thanks, <laughs> I've got a memory like a sieve. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I got we, it. Yeah. We know. Well, on that case, I'm going to leave that there.
You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we are talking about cask beer and pubs in this episode. Uh, cask beer is a cracking product and one that is completely unique to pubs. You won't get it anywhere else, but despite that, the caskery is in decline, and you'll even find some pubs with no cask beer at all. So what is the problem with casks? Why are we not celebrating and embracing the opportunity it should offer? To help us with that, we've got three great guests. Georgina Young, Brewing Director at St. Austell, Sharp's Epic Beer Sommelier, Ed Hughes and Green King's Head of Brewery Engagement, John Malone. So welcome guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. What's up, Lou Ned? Good afternoon. I mean, this this is a it's probably a topic we could devote the whole podcast to, and, and, and we are sort of running uh, running over on everything at the moment. But I mean, we're only going to give you ten minutes, so uh, let, let's see what we can do. I mean, why should cask be important to pubs, and why are we not really showing it the uh, the love it needs? Um, maybe Ed, can you can you start with that, and we'll come to uh, uh, George and John. Um. It's a tough, tough question, and as as we said, we could talk for hours about this, and and we should, we should keep the conversation going. Is the main thing for me. I think the big thing for me is romanticism, you know, and it's not just about beer, but it's about cask and that unique nature of cask, um, how it behaves and how you've got to look after it. it we've we've not done it, you know. Beer's nine thousand years old, and we've allowed wine to be put on that figurative pedestal and we've allowed spirits to be put on that figurative pedestal and we've allowed beer full stop to be arbitrary unit B pints um, and for cask it is absolutely unique and also unique unique to us as a nation to a certain extent as well and I just don't think we've given it the respect and romanticism it deserves and that's why I mean there isn't a solve now it's more about the point of we need to keep these conversations going as, as long as possible mm. George, what, what, what's your take on that? Why, why, are we, why are we not getting it right? I mean, you're absolutely right. It is our national drink. We're not shouting enough about it. Um, we've taken our eye off the ball. You know, we let the campaign for Real Ale get started and they did a fantastic job. We need to re-energise that, that whole message and that campaign. You know, we've also had a lot of new brewers enter the market, you know, ourselves, uh, Sharps, you know, a lot of the family brewers. We have been making cast beer for 150, 160 years. We know how to do it. Craft beer is easier to, to make. You can hide behind carbonation, centrifuges, filtration, uh, hops. Cast beer is so natural and fresh and wonderful. You, you know, it's 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 hard. It's the hardest beer to make. And we have, you know, we've seen some craft brewers, the new funky guys, actually try and make casks. They can't do it very well, actually. So do you know what? Just leave it to the guys who really know how to do this. And But it's engagement, I really think, with the, with the operators and that training piece. And, you know, the seller, the art of sellermanship is so, so important and really re-energising and re-engaging. And that just, you know, hospitality needs to be more respected as a um a profession and certainly that seller um so you know it working together and just talking about it and that training piece is just so so important mm. john what's, what's your thoughts uh, yeah no i would agree with everything that's been said i think um you know cascale is vitally important specifically to the uk hospitality trade we are the country that uh, the only country really at scale that sells the product it's fresher than any other beer on the bar um, the people who 
love Cascale, are hugely influential in driving groups of people into on-trade premises. They visit more often on average than the average drinker. They buy more drinks when they're in than the average drinker. They spend, on average, over £200 more than average drinkers within the outlet. So Cascale provides a really core bedrock to any UK hospitality business. Um, And I think we have been guilty of not shouting about it. We've allowed it to become commoditized to a certain extent in a way that if you think about premium gins, uh, premium soft drinks, everything is ever increasingly more premium. And actually, Mm. the most premium product on the bar, the one that we know is freshest, the one that has to be sold within three days of being put on sale, we've allowed to become you know, commoditized to a certain extent. So um, I think as an industry, probably we have to take a little bit of responsibility for that. But we also have to support fantastic hospitality businesses to keep beer in its perfect condition and to educate the customers that walk through the door as to why it's such a special product. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, John, you, you, you sort of said that we have to take responsibility. I mean, who is to blame? Is it... Is it the consumer? Is it, you know, the falling, uh, the, it's just falling out of fashion? Is it the pub apathy or, or the lack of care and investment from brewers? I mean, where, or is it all of the above? Uh, so I think my take on this would be post-COVID. Cask specifically has had a really challenging time. You know, we were, we were ranged uh, in a number of businesses pretty broadly. And post-COVID, for a number of different reasons, some of our core consumers were reluctant to return to the pub. Uh, whether that was because they couldn't interact with the cast fixture in the way that they normally would, you know, standing at the bar, looking at the pump clips, uh, you know, you had to pre-book a table or order on an app or table service and those types of things, or reluctance about COVID perhaps, kept some of our core consumers out of the pub. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the effect that that had meant, broadly speaking, uh, we, didn't, we weren't turning the, the product over as a general category across the on-trade at the speed we needed to. And that caused a few quality issues, uh, which probably had a negative cycle on preventing people from um, ordering cask or being slightly reluctant to do it again. And um, some other categories stole a march on us as a result of that. So I think really the most important challenges we have now are to support outlets in getting the quality right first and foremost and then educating the customers as to exactly why it is such a special important product i mean ed you guys came up with it when we when we were launching the uh, the cast project and you you had a, a, a amazing stat i can't remember the exact figure something like 90 93 percent um 93 percent of um of of uh beer was being sold outside of that three-day window of, of yeah. i mean that, that's phenomenal isn't it it, it, unfortunately, and phenomenal is definitely the word, and not in the nicest way. It, it is that, as I was saying previously, it's that lack of respect. And, and as previously said, it is we need to educate, not dictate to, to the service industry. You know, my background is hospitality, and hospitality is tough at the moment, without a doubt. We need to help them help them, and that comes with education, not a dictatorship of it must be three days talk to them why it's three days or why it should be three days treat it like a, a food stuff chat to chef in the kitchen they're not selling food or they definitely shouldn't be selling food past its best before date and those are the things that we assume the customers know or the consumers know and unfortunately i, I really don't think they do and even if we step back from that i don't i'm not sure that a huge amount of general consumers know the difference between a cask and keg full stop so we need to go right back to the basics. Like I said, tell the story, tell the origin story about how special and wonderful this this sort of this style of or styles of beer or this package of beer is. 
And uh, I mean, we've touched on price. Um, uh, I think the, 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 the this is a product that, that requires a lot more interaction. It requires uh, more care and attention. Um, it, it's something you've got to train, you've got to manage your sounds, you've got to do all these things. That it's not just a case of plugging in a, a, a keg and, and, and switching over. I mean, George, is, is that part of the problem? Because ultimately we're asking operators to, to, to put more effort into something that we're selling too cheaply. We're not making enough margin on. Um, how, how do we get beyond that? How do we move beyond that? Because really to motivate and encourage operators to, to love this product when, when the value isn't there necessarily. And that's unfortunately where it is falling on the shoulders of the same group of brewers who are trying to increase their education. So when you go into a pub, you, you get told a bit about how special cast beer is and how wonderful and fresh and local and sustainable. Um, you know, and it, it's the same people, you know, bearing the price and the cost of that, which is making, you know, it's a vicious circle, isn't it? You know, yeah. so actually maybe even the decline in, in cask is, is in some respects something then to cherish so that you can then just focus on a smaller area to get that message across, do that training. You know, in managed houses, you know, we have great control, tenancies, good free trade it becomes a lot harder you know um as it goes through that supply chain because every step of the way it needs to be looked after and really just you know getting that special nature to be able to drive that that price up you know and and if if you could all agree together that we were going to put it up to by 50p you know um but, you know, there are certain operators who just won't go there, you know, mm. so it, it is, we have, we've all tried, and we know we have to work together to try and, you know, really show how premium cask is, and, you know, how unique it is to this country. So. Mm. Mm. I mean, Heath, you, you, you've got, you've got issues with this, haven't you? I mean, you, you said yourself, you know, you've got pubs that do a lot of cask beer, and then yeah. one pub where, where you do very little, and, and, and you struggle on the margin. Yeah, like, you know, I'm tired at one of my pubs and what I pay for cask beer and then what I've got to sell it at is if I wanted to make 65%, I was giving an example earlier, it'd be like £7.50 a pint. And that's on a Tide pub. On my free of Tide pubs, it's not so bad. Like I can aim for that. I sort of aim for about 65, 66 to try and keep it within reason. But it's harder when you're tied. Like it's, mm. you know, it's scary because you can't afford to not sell it within three days. So, you know, at my real ale pubs, which you've got, you know, like you're at the lockout now, Ed, we've got six on, and we're not, we have ten handballs going at one time. And since we've got a reputation of good cast beer, they're always busy, and the volume's moving, and people are coming in, and they want to drink the beer and try all the different beers. Mm. So, yeah, it's getting the balance right. Yeah. Uh, and comes to time, guys, I mean, just a l- last question, really, is sort of what sort of advice would you be giving to operators to, um, uh, to up their game on cask? Maybe, John, can you, can you kick us off with that? Yeah, I think that the most important thing right now, if you're an operator, is getting your ranging right. So only stocking the number of ales that you are really confident you can sell within three days. If you use an aspirator system, maybe push that that day or two further on. But overranging is only going to cause high wastage for the outlet, low yields, and crucially for all of us who work in cask beer, poor customer experience if they're not getting 100% consistent, excellent quality beer through the line. So get your range right. Yes, we want to please the customers walking through the door with six to ten hand pulls as the gentleman in the corner, you know, must be very proud to be able to sell. But only if you've got that throughput. 
Yeah, that is the most important thing. That's the one piece of advice I would give to, to any retailer right now. When it comes to cask, get your range right and quality will follow. Fantastic. And I think that's the first time he's been called a gentleman. But uh, <laughs> George, what would be your advice? Yeah, absolutely. Look at the range. Look at, you know, put that extra cask range on on, a, on the Friday and the weekend. You know, I went out drinking cask beer on Monday night in Bath in a, with a, a, you know, quite an interesting experience from a London operator um, that I used to work very closely with but um, you know it's just get it right and really have the um, the uh, empowerment in the, in the pubs to be able to make the, the right decisions taste the beer I'm sure people don't just do the basic and taste that cast before they connect it and really think about you know if it's not right for those guys it's not going to be right for your customers either so um, fantastic uh, and Ed what, what would be your advice Um, For the customer, I would say ask more from your suppliers on education, on training, but what would work for your staff and the outlets. You know, won't be able to do half-day courses because I understand the churn in front of house staff. How can we make it really quick and effective to train staff? Are there 10-second videos? Are there 30-second videos? We see social media at the moment, people's attention span are quite slim and go on the days where you can be out of a business for two days, ask more from your suppliers, ask more from the brewers, how we can help you ultimately that's that's what i would say fantastic okay brilliant well guys we're, we're out of time uh john will be joining us to talk about seller management in a, in a little while um but for now thank you very much You're listening to the Lock In podcast with myself, Ed Beddington, Heath Ball, and Nikki Thatcher. And we're talking about cask beer in this episode. We're talking about why cask is important, but how operators can make sure they're getting the product offer right as well. So to help us with that, we've got the boss of SEMA, Andy Slee, with us. Uh, it did say in the flesh, but unfortunately, uh, the, the train's put paid to that, so he's not in the flesh, and neither is Heath. So we're all dialing in on this one, so uh, forgive the sound. Uh, Andy, really appreciate you joining us. No problem at all. Like, always, always good to talk about cast beer. Indeed, indeed. So, I mean, you know a fair bit about beers and pubs. Um, I mean, what's your view of the the cast beer situation and, and how pubs are approaching it? What, are we getting it right? Well, I think if we before we get into the offer, if you took a step back mm. and just imagine for a second we were doing any other food category, and you said the that that particular food category was fresh, it used 100% reusable containers, it was uniquely British and consumed close to the point of purchase. Um, That that respect, that that category would be um, called something like artisan, Mm. it would be premium priced to standard products and it would be flying off the shelves um, because... It, all of those boxes I've just described are what consumers are after. Now, um, what British Brewing's managed to do is to devalue what I regard as the crown jewels of its offering in, in cast beer. It's, it's what makes br- the British brewing scene so special, and it, it what makes British pubs so unique. Mm. Um, and so, uh, as, an, as a brewing industry... Um, we need to approach cast beer in a different in a different way. I think you know, and um, for me, there is there are huge opportunities. Yeah. Uh, one of the challenges we face in the category is the 
the bigger players in the category, the bigger cask beer producers, in the main, um, make more money from doing other things, whether it's owning pubs or whether it's brewing lager or whatever. Yeah. And one of the roles that CBA can, um, uh, well, on behalf of its members, is to provide some leadership for the category um, and, um, and, and, and a steer is the way forward. No, no regional independent brewer on their own um, is big enough to be able to do activity which changes the dial. Um, mm. yeah, Timothy Taylor do a wonderful job, mm. for example, on, on premium marketing. They, they, they are probably the best in best in class of it. But, but actually, <coughs> collectively, to that local point, um, cask beer um, is, is, is a, it's the thing that makes British pubs unique, um, um, it, and it's um, it, it's served better in, in with a local brewery. Your, I mean, within your membership, so within Seba, I mean, how we, we know cask is, is, is generally declining uh, in terms of volume of sales and the rest of the kind of thing. How important is it within your membership? Because, I mean, a lot of, of, of brewers that have certainly popped up lately have been very much focused on, on craft beer and, and, and a lot of that is keg-based. I mean, what, how, do, how do you see it within Seba? What's, what's, uh, what's the mix like? Well, the, the mix has gone down over time, um, so it, it's, but it's, it remains over 50% of CEPA members' production, um, and it's, um, it is an import, very important part of the sales mix, and I think, it, importantly, it provides an opportunity where the bigger brewers aren't interested. It provides um, an opportunity for local brewers to get on the bar uh, mm. and, and be serving. So um, in the craft beer report that we've just published, um, actually, it paints a more optimistic picture um, among CBA members in terms of the growth as part of a broader sales mix. Um, during lockdown, um, members had to diversify into bottles and cans, which they did. And um, you know, I'm pleased to say that you know that a lot of those sales have remained. But on top of that, we're building back with cask as well. So um, you know, and, and we're able. I think the, at, at the core. Um, if you're running a community pub, and most pubs in the UK are community, what better way to promote a community pub with a community-based beer? Mm, mm. To work with a local supplier to, yeah. to develop that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. I mean, are we seeing much... I mean, you do see it in certain pubs, but are we seeing enough of that? I think uh, we, we could always do more, actually. And, um, and one of the challenges the CBA members always talk about is access to market and, and making sure um, that, we, uh, that, that beers are available. Yeah, part of that report, Ed, we also uh, asked, as part of the consumer panel for the first time, what the general public thinks of independent brewers. And I'm pleased to report that um, eight out of ten people that we asked as part of that survey believed that an independent local brewery was a force for good in their local community. Mm. Um, and, um, and people are, would be more, therefore, inclined to support the local brewery um, if it's available in the local pub. But um, you, we can always do more in terms of availability. I mean, Abe, you've, you've, you've got 
you know, I mean, you are more of a, a pub that is renowned in, in the Red Lion, renowned for its uh, uh, its wine. I mean, beer more so at the Lockhart and, and the Wenlock, where we were going to record this, which is a shame. Yeah. I mean, how how do you see your range of beer? How do you what what do you look for? What do you what do you aim to do with your cask? Offer? Well, I suppose in like the Lockhart, it's very sort of local beers. It's it's all you know. We're buying as many local beers, breweries we can. Um, the Wenlock. Um, yeah, again, same sort of thing. As many, but we're buying all over the country at the Winlock. We've got ten handfuls, so we want a really creative range that's always moving. But you know, we always we always have you know favourites on. But um, I suppose it's like yeah, like Andy said, just keeping it by buying as local as much as possible. You'll see at the Lockhart, they all want to drink local breweries. Mm. You know, mm. you know, you just always have guest beers in as well. But they want to support the local economy. So, you know. I mean, Andy, what, yeah. what, what would you say? What would your advice be to operate? Does it, does it should it be entirely local? Should it be a mix? I mean, what's what's the um, what's the optimum? The, 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 the beauty of pubs is they're, they're all different, um, but 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 actually, um, you need a balance between recognised brands. You know, mm. we talked talked already about people like Timothy Taylor's, um, some of those, and balanced with local brand, by local brand, and by local I mean within a few miles of the um, uh, of the outlet, not uh, not regional, um, mm. uh, because again, people if they're going into those community-based pubs will recognise the local brewery and are happy to support it. Mm. Um, and, and as was just said. You know, that it's a circular, so that you, what you know is the money that's spent on those beers will be recir- recirculated in the local economy. And, I mean, Price, you, you touched on that earlier, sort of uh, saying, you know, it should be sold at a premium. And you're right, I mean, Timothy Taylor's have done a good job in, in maintaining a premium on landlord. How, how does that sort of translate down to, to some of your members? I know that there's going to be higher costs. Are they more expensive? Um, and is that, is that a... Um, something that is holding operators back from embracing local operators because people are quite resistant to price on cast beer or certainly the camera members anyway potentially (laughs) I actually think we have an education job to do with camera members and I would say this to camera members if camera and Tom and anybody any other team for camera if they're on the call it's all very well pushing for the lowest price pints available um, but that that will lead one way, and that will lead to the same brands being available on every bar in the in the UK. I think what what we are seeing uh, with our members, um, there's some great work amongst our members, is that people are prepared to pay a premium to sort um, to support local products as long as it's good value for money. And the key there is value for money. Not necessarily, not 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 necessarily cheap. So, yeah. uh, in my view, one of the barriers to ch- charging slightly higher on cask it isn't the customer. It's actually a lot of publicans who are just used to pricing in this in, in the same way. I'll go back to my earlier um, analogy. Um, would you expect to see um, farm handcrafted sausages made from the local farm priced at the same? At same price as walls sausages mass produced would you I mean no. you, you, you wouldn't uh, and so in other in other categories people are prepared prepared to pay a premium as long as it's value for money well, as a quality product that they want to uh, want to embrace I mean can, sorry he's gone well, the problem is it's always been so cheap in pubs, cask ale. It's always seen the cheapest beer. So it's, it's hard to change that and also change that and get growth in the market as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's, it's going to be an issue. 
It, it, it is a user. I mean, is there is there more that the the, the brewers that your members uh, Andy can be doing to to encourage and help and support pubs to to improve on on, on that kind of offer? Well, I think um, we're involved in the project that Pete Brown is leading on uh, Cask Fresh, which we're doing in association with um, uh, with, with Camera. Mm. One of the really uh, intriguing pieces of insight that came out of the preparation for that project is that 18 to 24-year-olds were asked what they believed to be the freshest product in a pub. And the answer they came back with was bottles of Budweiser. Oh, my now, God. Th- th- there's, there's nothing wrong with bottles of Budweiser. Um, but what that does is it, it highlights to me what a poor job the mm. British brewing industry has done in articulating the unique freshness of cask beer. Yeah. Um, and and that, that project looks to look, is looking at different ways in which we can market to a younger, uh, younger product. Because back to the point that I started off with, those criteria, fresh, recyclable, recyclable mm. containers, etc., etc., are exactly what younger consumers are looking points, for yeah. when they're yeah. buying everything else. Exactly, yeah. And it's... And I mean, are we... Do, do, does, does the sector need to grow up a little bit? We we still have a little bit of a, a kind of um, childish kind of attitude to beer names and, and marketing and a bit of a kind of, you know, well, oh, it's just a joke and people shouldn't be so offended. It, is that holding? I mean, that certainly is going to impact on younger consumers. I think, I, yeah, the, I mean, I think what you're talking about is more historic mm. now, if, if I'm honest with you. You know, I've just been at the Beer X... Uh, festival, Seabrook's big event, um, where which is the sort of the culmination of all of our activity in the year. I didn't see any beers um, record up for prices there with the sort of names that you were talking about. Mm. Like, you know, it's a it's a serious commercial uh, uh, serious commercial business. Um, it's n- it's not a novelty. You know, it's, yeah. it, it is a serious business, and people, if they want to be have a, develop a sustainable brewery in the brewery business, need to be. To, to take it more seriously. Yeah. So a key, key bit of advice for, for pub operators then is, is look for your local brewers, get as local as you can, work yeah. with them, uh, work in partnership and try and try and grow that trade, aren't we? Yeah, it's a two-way street. So local pubs are the staple, however they, however brewers have diversified, sorry, um, however they're diversified into online and shops and running their own pubs, etc., etc. The staple business of most local breweries is local free trade mm. businesses and tight and tight trade where there is um, where there is availability. So, and they they have the local knowledge and they're, they're happy and willing to work with those businesses. Sorry, fantastic. No, I, I'm afraid we're pretty much out of time, Andy. But I'm um, I mean we could talk about this for for a long time, and I suspect it's going to be similar with a lot of our guests. It's it's a really interesting topic. But really, uh, thanks for your contribution. There's some really insightful things. This is the Lock In Podcast, and we are discussing the challenges around cask beer. Now, one of the keys to getting cask right is the right seller practices. This is a live product and needs to be treated with respect, but are we doing the right things? To help us with that, we've got John Malone from Green King back with us, along with Matt Todd, owner of the Wonston Arms, a free house near Winchester. So, guys, thank you for joining us. Afternoon, Ed. Thank you. 
No worries. Um, so, I mean, seller management is, is key to delivering a, a, a great cask offer. Um, but we give it enough attention. I was at an event the other day which um, uh, an operator was talking about how managers used to compete to win you know, seller management awards. They were, they were really up for it. But he says now when he goes into sites, they tend to talk about how good they are at social media. Is, <laughs> is it that? I mean, aren't we, have we forgotten those seller skills, do we think? I mean, John, maybe do you want to kick us off with that? Um, yeah, thanks, Ed. Um, I don't think we have, in all honesty. I think it's very easy to kind of point the finger a lot of the times at retailers and say, oh, they're not taking the necessary care and attention. <clears throat> and yes, it would be wrong to say that we haven't had some challenges on rates of sale and, and which have led to some quality issues on cask post-COVID. Um, but no, I think actually, in terms of cask ale, it's often talked about as being you know, a particularly difficult category and product to look after. And that's really not the case. Uh, the principles in maintaining really good quality cask beer are very similar, actually, to those in maintaining a good draft dispense uh, on all your draft products. You know, it is about keeping a clean and tidy cellar, testing the beer regularly, cleaning your lines, getting those basics uh, correct. And, and really, decent quality should follow through. Mm. Uh, Matt, I mean, you're 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 uh, a wet lad pub. You know, you put a lot of emphasis on this. I mean, what what's your take? Are you do you do you feel you put enough into the cellar? Do you how do you how do you manage that? What do you do with it? And how do you uh, well, keep think, staff on it? I think, I think I'm in the fortunate position in that uh, cask is my everything. You know, mm. we we are a cask pub, and that is what we're known for. So it's it, it, it it's difficult at times and that it's the bit that goes behind the scenes mm. and no one sees what you do and the amount of time that you put into actually making sure the um, the cellar is managed and, and everything is done fastidiously religiously every week um, but without that you ain't got a top notch product so the product suffers mm. um, the glassware suffers uh, the consumer offering gets talked about as it's not as good at the once and arms as it used to be and, and then your whole business could, I find would be on a knife edge because of it so so to me it's it's it has to be done religiously uh, every week and you spend the time it requires you know you don't just whip in whip out and do one clean run you've got you know you do the clean runs until you're absolutely happy mm-hmm. that you've got a ding dong product again um and it's a kind of if you're not busy you need to do more of it yeah. if those lines are getting flushed through and used and used and used which um goes down to the ranging and actually being brave enough to not line up three four five casks i've only got four lines and i'll i'll drop down to two lines on a monday night or a tuesday night right. because i'll work those two lines really hard mm. so um the harder you work the, the system the less emphasis is required but you still got to do it yeah and, and how do you i mean is it just you or have you brought your staff yeah. up i mean how how are you how, how how do you sort of bring the staff with you on that so the, the business is primarily operated by me. Um, I've had a manager with me um, the last uh, eight months, a guy who's kind of been on an internship and he's wanted to learn the way. Um, and he has learnt it, to be fair. He's learnt it well. And we've we've had a great seller with Dan helping me do that. So, And I started at that point with him because that's the very essence of what Cask is about and what a Cask-led, Cask-only business is about. It's a living product. Um, it dies. And uh, if you don't manage it well, you might as well shut the door. As far as I'm concerned, I'm never going to sell a, a crap a crap pint. I'll, I'll just, you know, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, so I taught Dan and the team from the start. That's where all the business happens in the back end. And then, if it's in the right nick, it can go on sale. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Heath, I mean, how, how, how much emphasis do you put on, on, your, on your sellers and, and the management of those? Oh, you've got to be, you've got to be fastidious. You've got to clean. Like we, you know, we spend a lot of time on that. We have people at every site who's sort of responsible. But yeah, you, you know, we, we, we're flushing water between barrels. Yeah. We're, then we'll do our weekly line clean. Um, yeah, like, you know, as you know, if you don't look after your lines, <laughs> you have shit beer. So yeah, we spend a lot of time looking after them. It's really important. But we, I mean, the, the, I guess why, why why are people reluctant to, to, to spend that time? What 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 are the barriers? Lazy. <laughs> Go on, Matt. I think um, I've just I completely that that, that answer's top trumped me. I've completely forgot what I was going to say. Sorry, uh, and you're not wrong. Um, uh, I think people think they can get away with it. I think uh, I think it's something that can be got away with. Um, it may be not that they're on the shift the next time, for example, in a, in, a, in a site where you've got multiple staff doing different shifts. Um, you hand, you know, a bad set of uh, lines onto the next person. Um, it wouldn't happen with me and the team because we're a very small team, but I can picture and envisage it happening in a big, busy oh, site mate. where you just cut a corner. Yeah, but I've seen it with... We, I went out with Ed one night drinking and um, we were in a pub and all the beers they had none, none of the lines had been cleaned you could, every beer we picked up it wasn't it yeah. it was dirty beer yeah. it was it was shocking the, the owner should have been embarrassed mm. but he's just lazy he didn't want to clean you know obviously he tried to stretch out the cost of cleaning his lines and didn't want to do that but you know you just would never go there and drink beer ever again I mean he wasn't embarrassed about the price Agreed. he charged you for the beer but uh, what's that he wasn't embarrassed about the price he charged you for that uh, yeah, no, that John. beer as well but um, I mean there are there, there's yeah. extreme examples of that I mean John what, what's your thoughts on that what what are those well, <clears throat> I mean I, yeah I, I think there probably are uh, kind of people who just don't find the time or, or you know reluctant to call them lazy but um, but it's a false economy you know we know that pubs that sell between 90 and 100% of their pints through clean lines uh, are massively more efficient massively higher yield massively less wastage than those who are selling 50% through dirty lines so yeah. it absolutely is the right thing to do not just from a commercial point of view but from a reputational point of view from a customer point of view i would encourage any uh, retailer out there who isn't 100 percent confident of what they're doing in their seller isn't 100 percent confident that every single pint they're selling over the bar is perfect quality to reach out to their supplier uh, and ask for support whether that's in, a, in outlet training whether that's seller training um, from a separate course we supply um, seller support kits with seller boards to put on the wall to tell you when you've racked your beer you know how long it's been sale log books to help you manage kind of stock rotation um, there's a wealth of support not just from green king but from all suppliers out there um, to bring perfect quality seller uh, practices to every outlet there because ultimately it is it's the brewers reputations as well as the outlets reputations that are damaged if if you know quality is not where it needs to be um so yeah i would say if you're not really confident in what you're doing it's damaging your business it's not doing your suppliers any favors either put your hand up and ask for support because you know everyone would be willing to help i would like to say go on matt you 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 put your hand up there yeah it's I just want to. I just want to reassure people that it, it's not difficult. You know, I bought. I bought this pub eight years ago. I'd never pulled a pint in my life. Uh, the pub was closed. I'd never been a publican. I had about three days of um, training from the previous owners, and I learnt the cellar as I went along. You know, and um, but what I did do from that very first day was clean, clean, and clean. As you just said, you've got to do it every week. You've got to 
ensure that there's nothing in the lines when there's no beer pull the water through every day every half shift pull it through flush it through and and that becomes part of the dna of the business and it's not difficult um and nor should it be seen to be difficult um, i mean the irony i, just, I don't accept, I don't accept here, here here yeah Matt, i mean the, the, the irony is mate, Matt, you you normally be a cautionary tale uh in this sector or something no no experience buying a pub this but you you you've done it right i mean is it just a case that you you take pride in what you do he's got he's got a passion for it though yeah. hasn't it if you if you really want to do something you've got a passion you're going to do it yeah and you'll learn in yourself taught yeah yeah and i think um i think cask is crafting i'm going to say cask is a cask a well-kept pint of cascale is absolutely on the button and, mm. and it can't be beaten mm. how often do you find that that's a different question and so therefore it, it finds itself in a in, in a place where it's getting battered all the time from uh, from opinion and from view because mm. it's not being cared and loved for and it's a it's a it's a vintage product it's something that that takes time and love and passion to do and and in eight years you know i've i just enjoy i just love doing that you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the point where you know we went we went to camera national pub of the year and that's what we achieved you know so you know to, to win the best of the best of the bunch in terms of real ale um can only be done through best practice fastidious cleaning and uh, and, and as you say ruthless cellar management which has got to happen routinely and um and less is more just don't sell too many beers mm. don't sell a range yeah. sell and work those pumps really really hard i think it's really important to be brave enough to do that is is technologies i mean we, we look at you look at the keg side you know we've seen we've seen investment into technology various kind of different systems and you know heineken carlsberg all these guys have their own versions of these kind of uh, coolant systems and all the rest of it and, and improve sort of cleaning and and that kind of thing but we we haven't got that in cast there hasn't been those kind of um those innovations and maybe john this is probably more one for you or oh, matt go on now I'm going to say I saw my business turn around in terms of my cask, uh, my cask effect when I adopted the cask widget system, which uh, prior to that, the pub had served forever beer from the bottom of the barrel. And it, and it did it did give rise to the risk of serving sedimented beer from the bottom of the barrel. I turned the business to a cask widget system right. where the float is at the top and, you, and you're serving the beer from the very top of the barrel all the way down mm. and the beer settles at the top first so even if you type for time and you're putting on a really fresh cask that's probably ahead of its time you're going to serve clear of beer from the top and as it goes down you're there so that so that technology i think is there it's it, it was a change for me and it yeah. changed it changed the uh, the product to the extent that you know people notice that uh, John, any, any thoughts? No, that's right. No, John, John, any thoughts on that? Is am I being unfair by saying there's not there's not the investment in in tech that we see in other areas? Uh, well, no, no I know. We are always looking at ways where we can improve consistency and quality of serve in in our pubs. Um, so, for example, you know, we will install aspirators in our customers' cellars where we feel there's a benefit for them to extend life and improve quality. <clears throat> We've just invested uh, over seven figures in. Uh, pins so that we can offer more of our range in smaller Good containers idea. 36 pints as opposed Good to idea. the standard 72 to allow customers to offer a broader range even if they don't have quite the level of rate of sale uh, of, a, of a business that mm. should stock two really three four idea. handfuls on the bar on the bar so we are looking at ways to innovate absolutely mm. we're not you know probably in those kind of high-tech seller systems we don't see the benefit at this stage uh, in, in that but absolutely we're always looking to innovate especially if it can improve customer experience 
Fantastic. Guys, well, thank you very much. We could probably talk about this in, in, in great detail for a long time, but I'm conscious that Matt has to open his pub and uh, we've kept you for far too long as well, John. So thank you very much, guys. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Bevington, Nikki Thatcher and Heath Ball. Uh, we're talking about cask beer in this episode, where we're getting it right, where we're getting it wrong and where we want to look to, to move forward. To help us with that, we've got two great guests, camera top dog Tom Stainer and the big boss of award-winning brew dog operators, brew pump, brew dog. <laughs> oh, should we, are you going to start again? <laughs> start again. That's, oh, that's uh, twice in a week that's been done to me. Chris, oh, I think you need to have a serious oh, word. Oh, it's serious well, uh, word. I, I, it's libelous. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm tempted to leave it in for the okay. comedy factor, but now he's off. Let's try that again. Honey, uh, let's... <laughs> help us that we've got two great I'm keeping it in Chris I'm keeping it in I'm keeping it in anyway it's the uh, brew pub operators brew house and kitchen Chris Gumbrell thank you very much Chris and Tom for joining us no mention of brew dog at all um, <laughs> Chris congratulations on your success at the public awards uh, for winning uh, brewing pub co of the year uh, I think it's, it's fair to say you're pretty good at beer isn't it doing our best doing our best <laughs> pushing it forward yeah it's been it's been a good year and it's uh, it's going well and, and the interesting one of the reasons we want to get you on to, to talk about this is I mean we're looking forward in this segment the future of Casper I mean we've, we've, we've talked a lot about you know the decline it's a category that, that, that is struggling we're seeing decline in it yet you're seeing growth you've actually got the uh, the category back into growth what are you doing that, that no one else is doing um, I mean, I think, I think, God, it's a number of things, isn't it, really? I mean, cask, the problem with cask is, is well, it's, it's manifold, really. You've got quality, um, you've got throughput and consumer demand, you've got staff confidence, you know, the team's confidence and knowledge. It's trying to do all of the above, really. I don't think there's one silver bullet. The first thing is make sure you've got great seller standards. We, 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 we have Bionet in our business, so we have really, really good quality control at, at seller level, and our brewers look after our sellers, not our team or our management. Uh, the brewers actually take care of that so obviously they're pretty hardwired into the sellers in terms of checking temperature and checking obviously flopping issues and cleanliness and they're audited very regularly and uh, i think a lot of that focus seems to have gone away as the industry's fragmented in the last 30 years i remember working for bass and you know the the, the, the most important thing you would ever win as a pub manager in, in 30 years ago was the seller management best yes. kept seller that was the one that really really Defined you as a good manager in our business, and I think you know there's a lot of focus that's moved on like that. So we're we're pretty fastidious about that. We we carry a large range of beers that we brew on site. So obviously there's a lot more passion probably than you would ordinarily get if you were bringing in a third party beer. There's a lot more knowledge. We train um, uh, religiously in terms of beer knowledge and knowledge and obviously the differentiation. And because we have our academy business that runs beer master classes and brewing experience days. The mm. team have to be really, really well trained. We have over 100 specialists who are capable of running beer masterclasses and whiskey and beer matching masterclasses as well. So it's about staff knowledge. When you've got staff knowledge and team knowledge, you get confidence. When you get confidence, you get authoritative recommendations across the bar. Yes. That makes sense. And a lot of people don't are not encouraged to try beer. And I always say, you know, how many team members across the industry actually know when beer is in good shape or is in is is not in good shape? Mm. So. 
once they've got knowledge and they get confidence, then they can recommend uh, well. So I think getting that whole kind of integrated chain right. So, you know, great presentation front uh, at, the, at the point of dispense, great quality product in the cellar. And also then a change in the perception. And, you know, I applaud camera actually for grabbing fresh beer as, 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 as a way to, to, to position cast beer the, mm. and encourage it to rethink it and uh, away from sort of the old geezer's drink to something that's fresh and vibrant and natural and interesting uh, and very, very palatable. I think that's important. So all of that, plus we, we did reduce our range. We, 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 one stage we had six, we went down to four, we're down to three, and in some of our sites down to two, but do them really, really well. Right. And we have all sorts of rules about things like a handful presentation where we never ever allow a handful not to have a, a pump clip on it if the beer has run out we never turn them around that is uh, nearly as bad in our business as taking the pump clip off completely we hang a tag over it saying coming soon and I've been very popular so I'm, I'll be back shortly and right, all these yeah. sorts of things that, that keep that interest and make sure you merchandise cask really really well so uh, so yeah I mean there's a few things we do absolutely and, and I mean you, you mentioned that it, it's gone down you've gone down to two do, do you see that rebuilding can you see you regrowing that or do you think that's just it's hit the right level and I think it, I think it's the right level I think that, you know you want to keep you know that the idea of fresh beer is you know the, the secrets in the name and as I said cask beer sometimes because it's in a cask the association if we think about cask beer for a second the association is that it's an aged product and we don't want it to be an aged product we want it to be a fresh product we want it to be a, a natural new product that's in that has high turnover so um, uh, so as I said applaud again camera fresh beer is giving that notion of it being fresh and it being natural is really really important um, having too many on you know at the end of the day you've got to turn it over you put a cask on I mean really you want it gone within 48 hours and, and you've got to manage it very very carefully uh, so so for us I'd rather have less and do it better mm-hmm. and as a result you dilute it we put another three on and you've got a cast sat on, on, sat on for sale all week it's not going to be very good yeah yeah, and, and Tom, bringing you in here. I mean, uh, Chris uh, sort of uh, paid paid you trip with that. I mean, Camera were were the original saviors of this as a category. You were you were created as a as a, a vehicle to to bring real ale and Caspia back from the brink, and one of the most successful uh, consumer campaigns in in, in history. Um, why, where have we gone wrong since then? Because you you did the job. And now we're we're back to kind of on that, not quite the same thing, but we're still in that. You know, it's a decline. It's there's challenges. You know, we got operators, despite it being USP for pubs, don't embrace it. I was in a pub the other day, had no cast beer on at all. Um, what's, what's gone wrong? I'm not sure anything's gone wrong in a way. The cast category is a victim of success, and and peril always helps a campaign. If if mm. you're absolutely on the brink and absolutely on the edge of something disappearing, people tend mm. to. I think there's a perception, maybe a wrong perception out there, that, that everything's well in the cask market, that you can get cask beers everywhere. There's thousands of breweries across the UK. Um, the battle has been won, and I think you even get that amongst camera members, that there's mm. this great choice out there. But underneath that, there are, there are problems. So, you know, margins for retailers, margins for brewers is problematic. Um, getting that message across to licensees about why they should go to the trouble that people like Chris go to mm-hmm. when there are other products out there they can put on their bar which take less looking after, less merchandising, less training for staff, and they're getting a bigger margin. Mm-hmm. So 
is about the narrative to retailers about why cask beer is such an important part of their mix. And then as Chris also very nicely said, there's such a great narrative that they're about talking to customers about Cascale and why they want to try it. And the fact that Cascale ticks all those boxes that they get from what they call craft beer, you know, and it maybe has a slightly different image, but it's got the provenance, it's got the locality, it's got the, the, the few local ingredients. But we need to communicate that in a better way and we need to have that passion that Chris shows in his business across pubs because too often you walk into a pub and cask beer on the bar is sort of the, the poor cousin that's forgotten about and they've, they've, they've got in something, the cheapest thing they can get in the cellar, they're not looking after it, the staff don't know what it is, you say what beers have you got on, they say oh we've got Heineken and Carlsberg, you say no no, what beers have you got on and that's the level you get in some pubs unfortunately. And if we get the same passion that, that Chris and his staff show in their estate, wouldn't that be brilliant across pubs? Because Caspi would no longer be in that problem because people would be going in, getting the message and thinking that's an interesting, exciting product um, that I want to try and I will learn about. I mean, th- this is one of the issues, isn't it? I suppose it, it, it's the appeal and it's a generational thing as well. I mean, when there is a there is an image problem around um, Caspir. I mean, Chris, I don't know if you, you're experiencing, you know, uh, the kind of consumers, what, what kind of consumers are, are drinking your Caspir? Is, is, it, is it predominantly older? Or are we seeing a shift towards younger people as well? I think I think beer enthusiasts. I think we're seeing a bit of the uh, the craft movement now. They're kind of matured in the last ten years, and they're in their sort of when they were first experimenting with craft. It might have been at university in their sort of early twenties, and now they're getting into the sort of late twenties, really. And yeah, I think going out for a pint, um, you know, I think they are experimenting. I think we can get them across onto it because they appreciate the heritage of the product and the quality of the product. Mm. You know, I think craft is an interesting, a whole another conversation for another day mm. about how that is wandering into the wilderness a little bit sometimes you know and some of the wacky uh crafts that have come around have sort of come and gone and it seems that seems to be a market that's consolidating and maturing so look i mean young people will try are open to persuasion they're open to trying new things and that's a great opportunity you've just got to have the confidence and also the education but also make sure they get it you give a good product i think there's some adjustments that we can look at not all of them bad and I probably this is probably heresy. I probably bolt a lightning and will come down from camera's head office and hit me now. But we've got to look at temperature sometimes as well. That mm-hmm. people want more refreshment, you know. And that's a big debate we've had in our business. I remember twenty years ago in Green King, we were super super chilling mm-hmm. uh, cask as well. And and I actually quite like the idea. The problem is we were we were doing it with, with I think the wrong beer. We should have been doing it with a beer with a slightly higher gravity than Green King IPA. Mm-hmm. But the idea was great. And of course, in those days, if you were super chilling cast beer you were susceptible to uh, chill haze and a cow no haze now is a good thing you know uh, haze, haze was a good thing haze was a, it was a pain in the backside uh, 10 15 years ago chill haze but now it's a good thing so haze is not a problem anymore so look i mean i think i think there are there are ways of glassware even type of dispense for cats mm. people you know, it, with, cask is a one club golfer on dispense it's a hample i don't think hample's a very good beer person mm. i think it's like it's like a punch bag for the product uh, and I think there could be other ways uh, of, of dispensing mm. that beer. It's about the liquid, it's not about the that particular theatre. Yeah. But anyway, that's a, that's yeah. a whole. No, no, yeah, well, it's something to, to explore. I mean, Tom, uh, the, I mean, age is an issue, isn't it? You've 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 probably got the similar. I mean, camera membership is is of an age. Um, it, it's been going for a long time, and you've got real loyalty with some of those. Again, is it is it appealing? How how are you appealing to younger people? What what's the? How do we get those younger people? 
looking at it and not having them look at, you know, well, cameras for my dad or you know, cast beers. That's for my dad and my grand, or in his case, my dad. There was a joke there about your age, Heath. I completely fluffed it, though, but uh, we'll, we'll gloss over that. Um, it's karma, it karma. <laughs> we talked about that earlier, Heath. Um, I mean, how do, you, how do you do that, Tom? What's, what's, what's happening? I think the first important thing to... to think about is the fact a lot of young drinkers are probably drinking cask beer anyway they just are not calling it cask beer it's just the good beer they enjoy mm. and they're very you know dispense agnostic if it's a beer they enjoy they don't really mind if it's coming from a keg what sort of tap it comes from whether it's a handful whether it's a real ale so it's part of the portfolio when they go to the pub mm. and we need to recognize that and not try to bully them into just drinking cask beer and, and you know saying well you shouldn't be drinking anything else i think there's also the temptation is to try to target young people and the minute the middle-aged people try to target young people <laughs> you end up looking like an absolute idiot and you put them off so Dad dancing. in a way the trick is not to try too hard just and, and the drink cast fresh campaign which chris mentioned the idea of that is just to make it really appealing mm. Mm. it's not patronizing it's not saying hey this is hip and trendy it's just saying look this is as appealing as, as the craft beers you're already enjoying it's the same thing essentially mm. And the other important thing is a recognition maybe that people go through stages in their their life and in their drinking habits and what they drink when they're 18 is going to be very different to what they drink when they're in their 30s and 40s. And and it isn't necessarily expected to start drinking cask beer at 18, but making sure as an industry we don't do anything to really put them off it before they get to it naturally. I didn't drink cask ale exclusively when I was 18. I drank soul with bits of lime tucked in the top and all sorts of stuff. And I then, you know, evolved as my taste matured and changed. The problem is if the industry is doing things which make itself look very old-fashioned, make it look very unwelcoming and not very inclusive, the generation of drinkers, as they age, are just going to think that's not something for me. Mm. But if it can position itself in an appealing product with all those great stories behind it, when they're ready for it, they're going to come to Caspier and then discover what we know, which is it's wonderful and it's great in the pub and the breweries are brilliant and there's so many wonderful stories across the country right there. I think the industry is doing a lot at the moment to help position itself so it's ready. When people are ready for it, it will be ready for them. And we just need to do more on that. And, and what I'm talking about is why put off 51% of the population with stupid sexist pamphlets? Why yeah. put off, you know, sort of a huge um, group of drinkers because you are marketing things in discriminatory ways? Mm-hmm. And it's simple stuff. And, and if we get a rise in industry, we will be welcoming when those people are ready for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I mean, we could talk about this um, for, for much longer, but I'm afraid we are out of time, but I'm sure it's something we will revisit. But thank you very much for that. You're listening to the Lock In podcast, and we are at the end of this episode. We've been talking about Caspier and the, the, the integral, the the... the critical part it, part it plays in the pub centre. Nikki is looking at me like I'm about to fall over, <laughs> mainly because I'm stumbling over most of my words. It, but, I mean, it is so crucial, and I think everything we've heard, you know, from our guests, I mean, even from, from Heath, who is uh, is not a beer drinker or a beer fan, you know, it, it is important, isn't it? I'm a fan, it? I just don't drink it. You don't drink it? Yeah. Right? Um, I do, but... But it, it's so important, and yet we, get it, we, we don't really kind of get it right, do we? No, and I think there's a lot of talk about what needs to change and how people's perception of it needs to change and the whole kind of the whole perception of the cask beer category, it's too cheap. But nothing really 
you know, Heathkey was saying earlier, your hands are kind of tied. You can't make it more expensive because then people aren't going to buy it. So then the the, the premiumisation of it isn't going to happen because people mm. don't want to put the prices up because they're not going to sell it and then they're going to have to throw it away. So I, there's no real kind of, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be an answer. I mean, they, they, there's lots of little things, isn't there? There's lots of little math measures that you could do. I mean, as, as Chris said, you know, and and, uh, and and Matt as well, you know, be brave enough to, to cut the range back, to, to sell fewer beers. Um, I mean, he finally does one in one of his pubs, which I think might be a little too far. Yeah, but sometimes we'll put two on it, but you just can't, like, if you're not doing the volume, what's the point of wasting the beer? And then, like these other guys have said, you come in, and you have a beer and it's rubbish because mm-hmm. the beers are just sitting there too long. So I'd rather do one beer really well and give a good product. You know, sometimes women, you know, winter we put two on. Depends how the clientele's like. But, fireside beer. You know, yeah, be a fireside beer. Like, it's just getting it right, though, isn't it? It's getting the tone, get understanding. It's, you know what, it's understanding your business. And, yeah. yeah, I could go and put three or four on, but if I'm wasting money and it's not selling, all I'm doing is creating more work and wasting money. Mm-hmm. And then I'd rather people came and go, oh, your beer's actually tasting really good. It's not crazy expensive either, do you know? I mean, one of the things we didn't really touch on with we, 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 a little bit with sort of younger consumers, but there's there's not a not a it, cast beer is not something that, that resonates well with women. Um, I mean, Nikki, you are a woman. Well observed, Edward. I'm, I'm told. Um, do you drink cast beer? No. No. But I'm not a massive beer fan anyway. But I just well, if I think about if I think about friends of mine that do drink beer, both men and women, and them it's quite a lot about like the packaging and how it looks and they'd pick one with like a funky if they were going to pick a cask which I don't think any of them or many of them would anyway but if they were it'd be based probably on the pump clip the design mm. of the pump clip and how how snazzy it looks and the glassware and the glassware oh yeah God, your friends sound like a barrel of laughs <laughs> Jesus Christ what oh, do you mean look, by that? pump clip oh big pump clip Ooh, they were going to try something new and they were just at a bar. Well, Instagram. how are they going to look? Oh, piss off. Easy, easily, oh, easily impressionable. You're older than both of me and Ed put together, actually, so... <laughs> oh, there we go. But obviously not easily swayed by a fancy pub clip. <laughs> it's, but it's, yeah, I'd, I'd concur. <laughs> um, but he, he, you raise a good point, you know. The, you. Uh, no, I meant he does. Uh. Uh, not you. Yeah, <laughs> um, Give it away and take it away with the other hand. Um, that, he's right, you know that that Guinness, the, not the Guinness, the gin, you know the Instagrammability of stuff. You know a lot of a lot of younger consumers, and I'm being kind to you here and saying younger, okay, oh, um, youngish uh, consumers are are they want that social aspect, don't they? And, and, uh, and a pint of cast beer probably doesn't necessarily have that Instagram. It doesn't scream I'm cool, does it? No, it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't like, hey, look at me, I'm drinking a pint of Cascale. I mean, I'm not sure drinking a bowl of fruit with some liquid in it is necessarily uh, makes you that cool, but people seem to like it. it. So I'm, I'm old and out of touch. Uh, no. Not as old as Heath, though. That is the, uh, the saving grace of that. But, I mean, what would get you drinking? Cast beer, Nicky? Well, probably the way that it's... Cheap. No, sorry. No. The way that it looks, it, I am. I can be quite vain in how something looks. No. I, I know. I'm not an Instagrammy person. Nicky, don't get Nicky, me wrong. Nicky, Nicky, what? Nicky. What? Don't judge a book by its cover. Seriously, what about trying the beer and deciding if you like it, not because it's got some fancy badge? Yeah, but the way I would go about marketing. choosing one to try would be on how it looks, what I can see at the bar. If you're in a busy pub, you're not going to be on a bit, want to be that dick that goes, oh, look can at I the just try right a bit? Can I try this bit? Try this bit. So if you look at the, if you look above you at the Lockhart beer board, I can see and it. All our beers are. 
Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, it's all black and white. What are you going to do now? I'd pick one with a funny name. <laughs> <laughs> I would. That's oh what I do. God. Oh, my God. I mean, right. your beer board doesn't give tasting notes, does no. it? I mean, she ain't We don't want tasting notes. There's right? notes on it's the back uh, of the menu. I'd pick yeah. chum- on the back of the menu. Chummy Bluster. Chummy Bluster. Yep. I think that's a keg beer as well, isn't it? Not? No, it's not. It's a cask. It not? It's mm-hmm. a cask. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're not going to... It sounds like it's a bit of an uphill struggle to to engage Nikki mm. on this. Um, well, if all her mates are like that, we're screwed. <laughs> it's, uh, it's doomed, basically, is what we're saying. You can see it. You can see it. What we need is we need pretty colours and funny names. And yeah. we've got them. Yeah, I think Enough, that's fine. You, you, not once did you tell me about the taste of what you like, what flavour you like. Oh, I really like that. I really like that. Because you I don't think... Pe- well, of the people that I know of my age, and I'm actually one of the youngest in my friendship group, just saying, um, they don't they don't want to have that awkward conversation at the bar, especially if they're in a group with their friends. They don't want to be like, oh, can I... What, what does this one taste like? Or they might say, I like this. Uh, I call bullshit on that. It? I'm sorry. I've been stuck behind people like you in bars, and, and it's really annoying. And you're ordering... 900 cocktails you don't give a fuck then do you I know about how long like. it takes no no don't know no, exactly. I know it, but yeah. I know what it, I know what I'm I mean, getting that's why so just ask about the beers mm. yeah I think it, the, I think I think the biggest issue is still is still image and perception I think price is, is obviously still a big thing but I think image and perception is still the main issue with it and I was thinking when we were talking to everybody today you know, when we came out of the pandemic and and during the pandemic, there was such a focal on local, focus on local, focal on local, <laughs> focal on local. <laughs> yeah. However, whatever you've done earlier to mangle your words, you passed it on to me. Um, like there's such a, a focus on local produce, whether that be food, drink, whatever. And there's still a little bit, I think, of that. Not everybody has gone back to supermarket mm. stuff, um, but also with sustainability being so big on the agenda again having local produce is becoming more and more important so why I don't hear much about cask beer and local I know it's likely to be local but I don't hear much about it I mean that's interesting I think Andy Slee made that point very well mm. and I mean he would he represents local and, and regional and small yeah. brewers but I mean it is a good point isn't it I mean to, to work with, with with a local supplier on that you know it can be a great story you can work with them you can get them to produce a beer for you so you know you even go sort of to the extent where it's the pub's own, own beer and, and we do see that in certain sites um, it, that's that's a sensible thing to do I mean do you, would you do that Heath I mean you've got some down here in, in and um, uh, a Lockhart, you've got Lake Down uh, beer yep. um, and uh, Dark Star and a few others. Um, are you? Would you? I mean, do you actively do that? I mean, would you do that? Why don't you do that at the uh, at the Red Line? There must be a local brewery in Highgate, surely. Yeah, but I'm tight, so I can't. Yeah, uh, yes, that's a fair point. There we go. Nice one, Ed. Yeah. Well, research. Destroy that uh, that question. But I mean, would you? You, uh, you, you haven't got a local. You're not working with a local bit brewer here and to produce your own beer, are you? No, we're not. No. I think leave 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 that sort of stuff to the people who know what they're doing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, why get involved mm. unless they come to you? I think we've done. I think we've done some collaboration stuff before down there. But do you deliberately uh, choose brewers that are local to? That pub, so like here or, or at the Winlock. Yeah, I think in in, in Winlock we, we have probably we, you know a lot of East London brewers, but then we'll try and get stuff from across the country just to keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, at, at the Lockhart, you're now in, in Sussex. The people are really like the local people are really 
fiercely local. They want to yeah. support local businesses. Oh, we've, we've so got, they, we've they got really got want to drink local. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of breweries in, um, in, in around here in Sussex. I mean, we've got Harry Dog down the road, Lake Down, places like that. It's yep. um, yeah, there's 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 a there's a real mix. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're, we're pretty much out of time uh, for, for this week's episode. Um, lots to chew over on, on cask generally. Um, please do uh, share on social, uh, like, do all the usual stuff, uh, tell your friends. Nikki, tell your friends. Um, and uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with more pub-related shenanigans. See you then. Mm-hmm.